Welcome everybody to What Would It Cost Florida with your host Niels Decker and our special guest Julian from Real Property Management Coral. We're going to be talking numbers today. He knows his numbers. I'm excited to talk about all things around property management, cap rates. Welcome Julian. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your backstory. How did you get to where you are today? <laughs> um, well, I guess my background's in construction, um, but I always kind of had that entrepreneurial drive. Uh, I went to school, I studied business at Seneca College, and in the summers I would work with my family's renovation company. And um, from there I kind of had that exposure to the value of uh, investing in real estate and owning rental properties. Um, so that kind of what inspired me to want to invest and, and get into owning re rental properties myself. So from there, I just wanted to make money and, and be able to afford some properties. So I kind of went the trade routes and I worked in a number of different trades um, from concrete forming as a foreman to uh, a drywall taper. I uh, did that for a few years as well. And uh, along the way, I kind of started investing and building my portfolio with, with properties. So that kind of what led me to uh, January of last year um, I was looking to expand my portfolio to Florida. I mean, Florida was obviously a very hot destination and a, a hot topic and ton of interest here. So I said, hey, you know, there's a little bit of familiarity as well. I've recently been here in 2018, kind of fell in love with it then. Um, never thought in a million years I'd, I'd move down here or, or have a business here, but you know, it was always a dream. Um, so yeah, I just, I didn't really have any, any goals or objectives when I first came down here. I just kind of wanted to look into investment properties and even just properties for myself to use. Um, so just came down here on a whim and um, just started investigating. And almost immediately I saw the value in, in real estate, um, pretty much for the price of a single family home in, in Innisfil. You can buy a beautiful 2000 square foot bungalow minutes from the beach here. Yeah. So I felt like your dollar could kind of do a little bit more for you here. It's a little bit yeah. worth your dollar a little bit more right and, and for the <laughs> listeners Innisville, Ontario, <laughs> Ontario. Are Canadian yeah and, yeah yeah and now um, your visit to, to Florida and your experience here yeah 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 so uh, again and, and also simultaneously I, I realized how how expensive it was to rent you know uh, I was kind of bouncing around a couple different places um, between hotels and eventually landing in an Airbnb for a month uh, the month of February cost me about seven thousand dollars for a small studio apartment in Oakland Park just north of Fort Lauderdale so that kind of piqued my interest as well and I started you know looking at properties in a different light as more investments and you know just started crunching the numbers calculating CAC rates and, and NOIs and I just got really excited about the numbers and, and the opportunities and you know I'm the type of person when I get excited I, I just want to share with the whole world and I want everybody to get in on the action with me so I guess that's what inspired me to, to start a business out of it down here very cool and uh there's just a lot of cool stuff that i want to dive into but i want to back up a little bit mm -hmm. and how interesting that is is that when you're bringing in your construction background and you know maybe talk a bit about the evolution of what you saw in, in the flip and, and buy world and construction side of things in ontario and and maybe even what you've experienced here and and what does that look now for let's say the listener that's a a, a micro flipper you know, how, how does that all look back home and, and the difference mm. here in Florida? So that's a great question. Um, 
Another thing I also I also noticed the media value in was in the flips down here. Yeah. Um, it is very difficult to kind of coordinate trades and, and find quality tradespeople yeah. to do the work. So there, there's a value in just that coordination. Um, yeah. You know, being able to put all the pieces together and be able to de uh, deliver a turnkey property. Uh, you know, there's there's a, a value to that and. Um, I see a lot of micro flippers down here, you know, just buying these these condos for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, putting twenty, thirty grand into them, listing them for a hundred eighty, a uh, hundred eighty thousand dollars, just things like that, right? It's yeah. it's very common here. It's um, also I feel uh, in general it's a lot safer for those types of investments down here because you know you always have the option to rent the property, uh, you don't necessarily have to flip it. You could hold it, rent it. Um, there's more security in that, especially in you know kind of the macroeconomic conditions that we're in now with the raising interest rates, um, you know, there's no rent control down here. So you're able to kind of raise the rents um, as interest rates rise so that you're able to cover your your cost at least if yeah. not produce a cash flow. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more security down here in doing projects like that. Very interesting. So talk a little bit more, you know, in, in Ontario, uh, landlords can be a little bit less of a driver's seat. You know, everything's got its pros and cons. and and here, how he's saying there's less rent control. So, you know, for that microfibro mm -hmm. missing, speak more on that. Yeah, story. I mean, I think generally uh, Florida is much more business conducive as a whole. Um, you know, legislation has made that uh, kind of possible. So basically down down in Florida, there's it's, it's very pro-landlord. It's kind of easier to evict people if they're not paying rent. Uh, you, you go, you post a three-day notice if they don't pay rent. And if, if that doesn't work, you get the local sheriff over there. Uh, yeah. It's very different, um, you know, than, than Toronto is. Yeah, and I think obviously you've got a big role of, you know, they're protecting people, tenants down there because of the weather and getting people outside. So, you know, different, different landscapes and different rules perhaps that for those reasons who knows how that all evolved but uh, yeah yeah absolutely i mean there's there's a lot of factors that kind of uh, set florida apart and make it a unique market yeah. um you know the two factors the two kind of static factors that drive people to florida the beach and the weather that's not really changing anytime soon so you know you have the strong short-term rental market um which also lends itself to the long-term rental market as well uh, people think kind of, you know, you have to Airbnb the property to be profitable on it, but that's really not the case. Even locking something up uh, with a long-term tenant is also very profitable and has very good returns. And, 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 and to that point, also a lot of areas that are not going to allow Airbnb and that you'll still get a great return from long-term. Yeah, you know, that's also a very common thing I, I, I deal with. Um, a lot of clients, they kind of want that flexibility of, of kind of using the, the property for self-use and uh, being able to make some money on it as well. Um, that's a little bit more difficult because then you need to get into the short-term rentals. And, you know, if depending your price point, if you're in a lower price point and just kind of that's a second home for you, uh, you kind of need to spend a little bit more to gain that flexibility. A lot of condos have restrictions and a lot of HOAs, they have restrictions on short-term rentals. Um, but uh, I can assure you um, that they're not changing the laws for like the non-HOA anytime soon. They, they've tried, a lot of neighborhoods have tried to kind of implement an HOA after the fact and, and they actually can't do that. Um, so 
yeah. it's kind of wide open for investments here. Uh, yeah, and I think too they've recognized that you know it's become such a such a thing on the masses that you you have to come up with the times as well and not shut down something completely and, and find sort of a happy medium. And, and overall, Florida has done that amazing in so many fronts. And with the- yeah, exactly, because you know when you think about like a lot of the economy relies on tourism and, and the hotel industry. Uh, so you know you have that Airbnb tax that you have to pay. Um, that it's like a lodging tax, uh, and that kind of, kind of goes keep keep things a little bit even playing ground, right? So the hotels aren't really hurting too much from the influx of Airbnb and short-term rentals. Um, some areas, yeah, they'll outright restrict it, but um, like I said, you know, with a single-family home, uh, something more freehold, uh, there's nothing really that they can do to to restrict you from any type of use you want to get out of it. Yeah, and are there some minimums as well on on um, you know how long you can do your Airbnbs throughout the the year? You know, I think uh, back in Toronto, for as an example, I think it's now 167 days for primary residents. What does that all look like? Yeah, not they don't really have any restrictions like that in Fort Lauderdale. Like Boca Raton, if you get up over there, I mean, like there's no short-term rentals allowed. I think the minimum lease is about six months. Um, so there, it's not really a short-term rental-friendly area, um, rightfully so. You know, the demographic there, uh, they probably wouldn't be yeah. too too kind yeah. to uh, to short-term yeah. rentals or visitors. But uh, Fort Lauderdale is very pro-business, and you know they're kind of open for that type yeah. of venture. Yeah, and 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 emphasizing how important it is to really you know with yourself being able to do real estate or partners that you work with and and for us too for realtors really to have the know-all of what areas are going to be conducive to to be able to do that yeah definitely i mean anywhere near the beach is is typically going to bring in a good short-term rental return Um, but you're seeing even a little bit further out west um, even those properties are doing pretty well a little bit closer to the uh the Panther, where the Panthers uh, play and Sawgrass Mills, uh, I see a lot of people coming down, and and those properties are actually doing quite well as well. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of wide open. It's just kind of finding the right spot, and it depends the the use that you want to get out of it and how you're going to tailor that experience to, you know, to to people vacationing here. Um, that'll depend where you really want to be ultimately, yeah. um, and also price point is is a big part of that as well. Yeah. And I mean, the big juicy one that you threw out there is, is speak, speaking for the listeners, wondering about cap rates and, and what that all looks like, you know, and what we're used to back home and the, the lack of number mm-hmm. of, of percentages that are back home in Canada. What does that look like? And, and if you want to speak on different areas, if it's the Miami-Dade or Broward mm-hmm. or West Palm or even some on the West Coast, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, cap rates, it really depends. There's a lot of factors, right, on what your intended use is, if you're going to short-term rental or long-term lease it. Um, also, the down payment, uh, you know, significantly uh, decides your, your cash flow and all that. Um, also, interest rates is, is a big factor. Um, but typically, anything I run the numbers on is, is like a six cap or higher. Um, that's even including the management fees built in. So, I mean, it, it's pretty appealing, uh, especially. Yeah. And that's your bottom starting point. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. seeing a lot of properties yeah. like that. You can do really well. And, you know, yeah. it, like I said, it's I got really excited when I kind of saw those numbers just on a regular single family home. You're not even in the multifamily space yet. Yeah, just with a single the, family the luxury, home. The luxury end. So yeah. If, we, if we're calling that the conservative yeah. bottom, what are we calling more of the higher end? Oh, yeah. You can see like cap rates of 10 plus, you know, when you're yeah. Airbnb being like a luxury home and, and you're really tailoring the experience to, to be conducive to short term rentals and provide an experience. Um, you know, you're seeing really good returns on those properties. Um, and the thing is, too, I mean, 
over the last two years, everyone kind of wanted to get into the business of Airbnb and short-term rentals. Yeah. So you did see a little bit of saturation, um, but mainly that was kind of just affecting the lower end, like one bedroom apartments, kind of the, yeah. you know, the fly-by-nighters and kind of the guys trying to operate it themselves. But yeah. kind of that middle tier um, is still performing really well. You know, the $750,000 US to 1.2 is just, is really, really performing right now. Yeah. I mean, the high-end luxury, uh, three, $4 million properties, it's taken a little bit of a hit um, just because, you know, the rest of the world is open now and, yeah. and everyone's kind of, you could travel to Europe and, yeah. you know, things are open, but still like doing really, really well, especially relative to other places in the world where you would want to own investment properties. Yeah, very cool. And um, I think too, one of the big things that some people might know that are foreign to Florida is that you actually have to have a, a property management in place if this is an investment property versus, you know, maybe a family member or a neighbor <laughs> taking care. So talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, you're able to self-manage if it's your own property. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, there is like a few different uh, ways around it. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you're Airbnb, you actually need to have a license. You need to be licensed uh, with the state. You need to be licensed with the, the county, uh, even stuff like the city as well. So there's a couple licenses that you need to get to be able to short-term uh, rent the unit out, right? It, it just, it kind of, it, it's easily um, something that could, kind of run amok and, and go wild if it's not regulated. Um, so yeah, they, they've done a pretty good job though of, of implementing some regulations, but also keeping it very pro-business and, you know, conducive. Cool, very cool. And uh, I think, you know, what are some of the things that you're now coming up as well uh, when you're dealing with say foreigners that are coming to look to get a property management in place? What are some of the common conversations that you're having where you're perhaps throwing out some educational that those who are listening and then wondering about property management, what would you say to them? I think the biggest thing that surprises investors from Canada is is the fact that you can be profitable and cash flow positive on a long-term lease. Yeah, you know, and you're not bleeding out, especially in, in the climate of the rising interest rates. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it actually impresses people that even on a long-term lease, uh, kind of peace of mind, you know, having the turnover of an Airbnb, uh, that it's still a very profitable investment. Um, cool. Yeah, and I know you, uh, you're great with your numbers and, <laughs> and having that on your side and, and uh, you know, being able to, to run that through for people, uh, that's awesome. So, mm -hmm. so talk a little bit about some challenges that you face, if that's with the actual clients or if it's with other professionals or realtors that you work with. Yeah, so one of the common challenges we face is really justifying the value that we could bring to the client, to the investor. Um, I think a lot of realtors could kind of relate to this. Um, you know, they don't, they think they could kind of list their property themselves same way they think they could manage the property themselves. They see that 10% management fee and it's kind of a big number, scary number to them. Um, so they think, you know, hey, I can make another 10% by managing it myself. And, uh, you know, oftentimes they're spending a lot more than the 10% and some of the mistakes they make. You know, uh, one of the common things is, first off, they're not really able to professionally market the property, right? So yeah. that's gonna lead to staying on the market and uh, leading to greater vacancies. Also, they have that emotional attachment with their property and, you know, they think it's the best on the block and they can get X amount of dollars more than Bob down the street. And, um, you know, that also leads to remaining on the market a little bit longer than it should. And it's almost like a chain reaction from there. You know, uh, they get a little bit desperate and you know, they're gonna take the first tenant application that they get, 
right? And that could open up a whole other can of worms, right? Vacant or sorry, evictions are very expensive to deal with as well. So you know, my company, we actually guarantee that the property is rented within 29 days or less, right? So that's very valuable, you know, when, because you think about it, one month's rent is 8.3% of your gross annual revenue. Mm -hmm. So if that property is sitting, you know, an extra month on the market, right there, you're paying another 8.3% out of your pocket. And you also still have all the responsibility and the duties involved with being a full-time property manager. Yeah, that's huge. And, uh, you know, I think that too will paint the picture of what a doc can look at and, and presenting that throughout. You're looking at it in a 12 month period. And I love how you broke it down. You're, you're 8.3% mm -hmm. of what you're looking, what you're doing in that period, that block of period. Mm -hmm. uh, very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so for the listeners, you know, what would it cost for your services or some of the things that you have set for, for your company? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess my answer would be it pays for itself. Yeah. Really, because as I mentioned, um, you know, some of the costs that you could incur just by making a simple mistake by self-managing could cost you a lot more than the 10% fee that we charge. And, you know, long-term leases anywhere between 8 and 12%. There's other uh, kind of fees associated with uh, leasing and, and tenant placement and stuff like that. But typically 8 to 10, per, 8 to 12% on a long-term lease and anywhere between 15 and 25% on a short-term lease. So the answer, I guess, is it pays for itself because kind of avoid some costly mistakes and um, you know that 10% that you're paying in management fees is recouped by getting a, a, a very marketable property identifying the the right rent that it should be listed at and also you know finding and screening the proper tenant not only tenant but also screening the proper pets you know 72% of households own pets down here and you know something that's often overlooked by people is you know a pet could come in there and do more damage than any tenant could. So we actually have uh, processes where we actually screen the pets as well, and we we associate a, a FIDO score with them rather than That's FICO. Amazing! Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So the pets, we're gonna start asking questions. What's that FIDO? They have their whole, yeah, no, they have a whole profile, a whole like uh, history on on the yeah. pets, and it's actually a, a popular service now. Oh, one second. We're going to be starting saying, what's the pet FIDO? That's the FIDO score it's called? Yeah, FIDO score. Yeah. yeah, very yeah. cool. Awesome. And, uh, you know, and, and to reiterate what you're saying is it pays for itself and, and, and those conservative cap rates of, you know, 6% on your sub million prices and uh, for, for property prices. And we're not even talking about plus million and into the luxury market here. Yeah, you know, it's a whole different ball game down here. And mm -hmm. and again, you know, at home, we're talking about either losing some or staying cash positive or cash neutral versus now here yeah. at cash. Yeah, positive. it's funny that the change in mentality, you know, you yeah. almost have to reprogram and, and, and indoctrinate them, you know, in a good way to think. Yeah. Think more like Florida, you know, yeah. don't think of, you know, if you're breaking even, that's a good investment. You want to be yeah. cash flow positive here. And it's definitely within the realm of, of, of possibilities for sure. Yeah. Awesome, man. So cool. Wicked insights. I love numbers too. So it's great to hear yeah. that. You know, awesome for being here today. Uh, no, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And everyone at home, thank you for listening. This is What Would It Cost Florida. Until the next one.